Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. I am your host, May Claire Bolton-Smith, and I'm the Senior Leader of Research and Content Strategy with CoreLogic. In this podcast, we'll have conversations with industry experts about key topics from housing affordability to the impacts of natural disasters on property. Earthquakes are one of the most destructive natural disasters, and because they strike without warning, they can trigger a lot of fear. However, while there are thousands of earthquakes every year, there are only very few of them that are damaging, and those are rare, and that can cause complacency. But there's a lot that you can do to better prepare your homes and businesses for earthquakes, and that's what we want to talk about today. I'm really excited about today's episode. I mentioned in a previous episode that I have a background in earthquake seismology, so this topic is very near and dear to my heart, and warning, I may have to nerd out a little bit. In 1994, the magnitude 6.7 Northridge earthquake struck the greater Los Angeles area. At the time, this was the costliest natural disaster on record, and it would take over a decade for Hurricane Katrina to supersede it. And fun fact, it was this earthquake that solidified in my then teenage mind that I wanted to become a seismologist. So one of the most important achievements since the Northridge earthquake was the funding of the California Earthquake Authority, also known as the CEA, a privately funded, publicly managed organization that sells California earthquake insurance policies through participating insurance companies. The CEA was established in 1996 by California legislature, and they've been a partner of CoreLogic since their inception. Today, we welcome Shauna Ackerman, Chief Risk and Actuarial Officer with the California Earthquake Authority, to talk about the CEA and the role they play in earthquake insurance. Shauna, welcome to CORE Conversations. Happy New Year, May Claire. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start by introducing you to our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role with the CEA? I know you don't sit around waiting for earthquakes to strike at all moments like the earthquakes, like the movies portray. As you noted, um, I am the Chief Risk and Actuarial Officer at the CEA, a role that I've held for just over a year. Prior to that, I was the Chief Actuary, a position I took on in 2010. But I have been involved with the CEA in one way or another since it was formed. I started my insurance career at the California Department of Insurance and was actually working there when the CEA was created and living in Santa Monica when the North Ridge earthquake occurred. Oh, so you are the right person for us to be talking to today. Um, I definitely want to hear more maybe about your experience of what it was like living through that earthquake. But let's just dive into the CEA first. And as I mentioned off the top, the CEA was created following the Northridge earthquake in 1994. So can you talk a little bit about how the CEA came into being and how Northridge was a catalyst? Well, the short answer is that the Northridge earthquake created an availability crisis in the homeowner's insurance market, and the Mm -hmm. CEA was created as a public-private partnership to alleviate that homeowner's insurance availability crisis. For the longer answer, I'm going to have to jump us back 10 years prior to the Northridge event. Don't worry, I'll move fast. Um, In 1984, California passed a mandatory offer law which requires any insurer that writes a personal residential policy to also offer earthquake coverage. As a result of that law, insured earthquake exposure began to grow and grow. Ten years into this ever-increasing exposure growth, the Northridge event occurs and wipes out all of the earthquake premium collected and then some in less than 30 seconds. The magnitude of the loss 
and that the earthquake occurred on a previously unknown fault was essentially a wake-up call to the industry. Literally a wake-up call for me, but a wake-up call for the industry, which realized it did not have a comprehensive view of the risk or what it costs. You have to remember that at that time, catastrophe loss models were still in their nascence and nowhere near as widely utilized in the insurance industry as they are today. So with the mandatory offer requirement in place, the quickest way for the industry to control earthquake exposure was to stop writing homeowners insurance, thus the homeowners insurance availability crisis. At one point, about 95% of the industry was writing uh, restricted writings. After a lot of work by the insurance industry, the legislature and the insurance department, the CEA was created and opened its doors for business in December of 1996. We are truly a public-private partnership. We were initially capitalized by our participating insurers, funded by the premiums that our policyholders pay, and governed by public officials. Wow, that's quite the history to get you to where you are now. And talk about life changing in a split second and really for in 30 seconds time to change the industry so fundamentally. So if we dive in then, the CEA issues insurance policies through participating insurance companies. Can you talk a little bit about then how a CEA policy works? Right. The CEA is technically a public instrumentality of the state of California. It's a big string of words. But really, we operate as an insurance company, creating the insurance product, setting the rates. Our participating insurers basically act as our agents. They sell and service the policies. And when there is an earthquake, we rely on our participating insurers to settle the claims, which is a really efficient feature in as much as we don't have to have a big staff or a standby staff on retainer to adjust earthquake claims. Our policy itself covers earthquake damage. For a homeowner, that means the dwelling structure. And if they choose, they can purchase coverage for the contents of the house and additional living expenses, which pay for additional costs if you have to be out of your house during repairs, or you're required to leave your house for safety. Our coverage is subject to a deductible, anywhere from 5% to 25%, except for additional living expenses, which is not subject to a deductible. For renters, the available coverage is limited to contents and additional living expenses, since they don't own the home and don't have an insurable interest in the structure. Mm -hmm. Our policy is really very similar to any earthquake insurance policy on the market today. So that's really interesting. And and I think it, it may be news to some, hopefully not. But I, I think some people may not realize that earthquake damage is not covered by your standard homeowner's insurance policy. And you do need a separate endorsement or separate policy for earthquake. So in California, where you and I both live and where the risk is the highest in the country, the earthquake insurance take up is still relatively low, shockingly, really, in some ways. Uh, why do you think that is? There are a few reasons I believe drive that result, May Claire. First, there is no requirement to purchase earthquake mm -hmm. insurance for a homeowner. Insurers have to offer the coverage, as I mentioned, but the consumer does not have to buy it to get a loan. Second, there is a perception that earthquake insurance is expensive. And it can be, but I will note that it may not be as expensive as you think. And of course, what is expensive is in the eye of the beholder and the financial particulars of that beholder. And then third, while I believe Californians are knowledgeable about the possibility of an earthquake, I think a lot of people either believe, well, it won't happen to me, 
or they take the Scarlett O'Hara approach to risk <laughs> management, I'll think about it tomorrow, or they believe that their home won't suffer damage because they've experienced an earthquake and, and it didn't sustain damage. I recall during one consumer focus group, a person saying that his home had gone through the Loma Prieta earthquake and was earthquake proof. Turns out his house was over 60 miles from the epicenter and experienced really only moderate shaking. So we wouldn't expect that his house would experience damage. Um, and to be clear, while California does have strong building codes, no house is earthquake proof. Yeah, so there's a couple things I want to unpack there. So I think the first is uh, many people, especially those who own a home, um, are aware that you are required to purchase flood insurance if you live in a designated flood hazard area um, as designated de designated by FEMA and the National Flood Insurance Program. Uh, but earthquake is definitely not the same. And I think I agree with you because it's not mandated. People don't necessarily either don't think of buying it or to your other points, think it's not going to happen to them. Um, I myself spending so much time in the seismological community and doing a lot of public awareness and, and working in many different industries, the number of times I heard, well, I lived through this earthquake and my house was fine. And exactly what you just said, like you could have been several miles away from hundreds of miles away from an earthquake. And yes, you felt the shaking. It's very different than that earthquake being in really close proximity to your home. So I, I agree with there's this lack of understanding of what the risk is to many people, but also until you live through a really damaging earthquake and if they were to occur more frequently, it really is a behavioral thing that people need to change their behavior on how they respond to things. So we could, that's a whole other topic that we could go on forever. But I guess if we dive in more to like, if we look at take ups in California specifically, I mentioned that they're relatively low. Can you comment on how many people have earthquake insurance across California? Are there and are there certain regions or cities where the take up is greater? Sure. The California Department of Insurance publishes an annual report of insurance take up. So their most recent report is for 2019. And the overall take up is just under 14% or about 1.7 million earthquake policies. I want to be clear that take up measure is the number of earthquake policies divided by the number of um, residential insurance policies. So it's going to overstate the true percentage of coverage mm, because sure. it, it yeah, it excludes all the people who don't even have a residential insurance policy. And you probably know me, Claire, a lot of renters don't carry residential um, insurance, so they don't have access to an earthquake policy. So that 14% really does overstate okay. the amount of people that have coverage. So to get to the second part of your question, which is, does it vary across the state? Well, it, it does. Uh, the department also publishes uh, by county take up rates. Um, that analysis is done a little bit less frequently because it requires collecting more detailed data. So the most recent report that they've published is for 2017. And it shows a range of take up rates uh, as low as 2% in, in some counties. Wow. But there are five, yeah, well, there, there are counties that aren't known to have had earthquakes, although we'll probably talk about this later, really anywhere in California could have an earthquake. Um, but there are five counties with take up over 20%. Yeah. The highest uh, is 27%, uh, and that is Mono County. And if you're not from California, 
and even if you are, you might have to look that one up. Uh, it's a relatively rural county on the border of Nevada. If you ski, you may know it as the home of Mammoth Mountain Ski Area. Uh, the other counties with greater than 20% take up are Inyo, which is just south of Mono, San Luis Obispo, San Diego, and Ventura. That's really interesting. So I, I think, you know, part of the reason the earthquake, the uptake rates are not uniform across the state is the risk is also not uniform across the state. There are areas that have a higher risk than others. Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting to see that there are a few, um, I would not have necessarily picked those ones to have the highest uh, uptake rates. So if we if we kind of focus on the opposite end of those, because, you know, a lot of those numbers are still pretty small, especially in some of the biggest cities. Uh, what are the ramifications of having such a low uptake? I mean, there's a lot of people that are not going to have earthquake insurance if a big earthquake strikes. Yeah, that low uptake really means that the majority of the cost of earthquake damage is going to be uninsured or actually self-insured. It falls to the homeowner or the renter. It's going to be their responsibility to fund the repairs or replace their belongings from savings or borrowing. Um, there are, as you know, numerous entities, including federal, state, and local governments and generous people that will step in to help after any natural disaster. But that help is usually focused on immediate needs like food and shelter. It doesn't cover the cost of rebuilding individual homes or long-term recovery for individuals. So again, the majority of the cost is going to fall on the shoulders of the people who experience the loss. So you and I both live in the Bay Area, and it's been a number of years since we've had a large damaging earthquake here. And I think of, I think of other natural disasters, and you know, the Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, uh, the Paradise Fire here in California in twenty seven, twenty eighteen. After big events like that, people couldn't afford to rebuild their homes, and we're looking in an instance where people do not have insurance. And, you know, we really could see people moving and leaving the area because they can't afford to rebuild where they are here. So if we take that and pivot from there a little bit, I, I want to talk a little bit about retrofitting. And that's where you have structural reinforcements sometimes, which can be relatively simple, are made to a home to make it more resilient. So one of the things we've done together at CoreLogic and CEA is we've done some studies that looked at the impact of retrofitting. Um, can you talk a little bit about how studies like this help the CEA and then ultimately help the policyholder? The studies help us understand the reduction in risk associated with retrofits, both from an individual basis and a collective basis. On the individual basis, the results are translated to mitigation discounts to the policyholder. So hopefully that sends them a clear pricing signal, which provides an additional incentive to mitigate. For example, we provide up to a 25% discount for retrofitted homes. On a collective basis, we can look at the effects of mass retrofitting which if it were done, would lower the overall risk to our portfolio significantly and to the state as well. That's an aspirational kind of study, but it is interesting and exciting to see the difference retrofitting can make. When we looked at this with you in 2019, as part of the 30 year anniversary of the Loma Prieta event, CoreLogic modeled a repeat of that event using current residential building stock 
an estimated an $8 billion loss. Then you remodeled it with all of the older homes brought up to more current building codes and the estimated loss was reduced by $2 billion or 25%. That's a lot of potentially avoidable damage. So I don't have it in my power to snap my fingers and make every old house um, you know, be retrofitted. But if we could encourage people to do that, there's a lot of damage we could avoid. Yeah, that's, there's a famous quote from Lucy Jones, a seismologist with the U.S. Geological Survey. Um, she's now retired, but she's famous for saying the earthquake is inevitable. The disaster doesn't have to be. There is so many things that we can do to help prepare both from personal preparedness to preparing our properties for an earthquake just to make sure that the disaster is, that it's not a disaster, that it's just less impactful. So, okay, I I can't help myself. I need to nerd out just a little bit here. Um, So a few years ago, there was some new science released and it showed that there's the possibility that any fault in California could trigger another fault that's in close proximity to it, kind of forming a domino effect. So this changed how people understood the risk profile in California and quite substantially in some regions. So how does this, this research like this impact the CEA? Well, our enabling statute requires that we use the best available science in setting our rates. So we closely follow the seismic research from USGS and and other entities and rely on our catastrophe loss modelers to implement that science into their models for our use. The particular research you're referencing resulted, as you said, in substantial changes at the regional level, and it added a recognition of the possibility of larger events rare but really much larger events than we had previously considered. So we did need to update our rates to reflect that new science and in 2019 rolled out a new set of rates after receiving approval from our governing board and the insurance commissioner to do so. In some areas there were substantial increases and we are implementing the larger changes over a three-year period. Yeah it was I I look back at that research when it did come out and what we saw is that there were the possibilities of having much larger earthquakes than we ever thought possible. And the other thing was that we've always assumed from a scientific perspective that we would not simultaneously have an earthquake in Northern California and Southern California at the same time. So not causing mass havoc across the entire state, but also being able to pull resources from one half of the state to help the other. And then this science showed that it's actually possible that you could have one major earthquake that would impact the entire state. So I don't want to get into doomsday scenarios or anything like that, but I guess just, just to finish, off today. Um, We don't have a crystal ball. We can't see what's going to happen with the future of earthquakes. We can't predict when an earthquake is going to happen. But I will say, if you live in California, it's going to happen at some point. Um, And we all do need to be prepared. And not just California, um, all along the from much of almost, I think there's 42 states, it's 42 states in the US that have some degree of seismic risk. Um, And then also elsewhere around the world as well. So wherever you are, know how to keep yourself safe during an earthquake, know to personal preparedness, to drop cover and hold on to protect yourself physically when an earthquake happens. Um, But yeah, we can't predict what's going to happen. But if we look into that crystal ball, what what's coming in the future for the CEA? Well, 
Um, I'm not even going to look too far into a crystal ball. This is <laughs> this is underway. I mean, we're really, really focusing on getting the mitigation message out. Um, so for anyone that's living in California in a house built before 1980 that um, has not been retrofitted, you're hearing me now, I really encourage you to get that house retrofitted. It won't make your house earthquake proof but it could save you thousands of dollars in earthquake damage avoided. Uh, we created the California Residential Mitigation Program in partnership with the Governor's Office of Emergency Services several years ago to promote retrofitting uh, with education and grants of up to $3,000. The grants are limited to available funding, of course, and awarded by lottery. But even if one doesn't get a grant, there's a lot of information available, including a contractor directory to get you started. And that information is available at earthquakebracebolt.com. We're also um, recently completing an update to our earthquake damage assessment and repair guidelines for claims adjusters and a new document for engineers. So we're in the process of updating our training and really increasing our preparedness for the next damaging earthquake. That's so great. And also, you I know the CEA over the last number of years, in addition to all of that, has had a huge impact on public awareness and public education. And a lot of the commercials and public education campaigns that you've had, I think, are finally starting to make an impact. And people are understanding that their earthquake risk is real. And the CEA gives you the strength to rebuild. So Shauna, thank you so much. This has been so great. Thank you for joining me today on Core Conversations, a Core Logic podcast. Thank you, May Claire. It's always an uh, enjoyable experience to talk with you. So for more information and insights on natural hazard events, both an active events and ongoing research into past events, please visit us at hazardhq.com. And for information on the property market and the housing economy, visit us at corelogic.com insights. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Rhea Tarakia, editor and sound engineer Romia Roman, and social media guru Mike Wojcik. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation.